Right, let's, uh, let's commence. Um, I understand that there's nobody uh, wanting to make a uh, public statement, so we move on to the agenda. And apologies for absence, please. I've just had a text from Councillor Wells, who says she apologised for coming tonight. She's actually in hospital, but I don't actually know the reason why, because she didn't add that to the text. But she did have a bad, a bad leg when she was at planning the other day. Okay, I have. Um, sorry. Uh, sorry, can I give apologies for Councillor Watson and Councillor Asker, who's at Hustings tonight? Excellent. I also believe we have apologies from Councillors Mawson and Smith. Anybody else? Uh, and Councillor Parr. And if he's not here, Councillor Foley. And he isn't at the moment. Okay. Any more? And declarations of interest. None? Excellent. Good. Uh, minutes of the previous meeting on the 26th of February. Uh, can I take those as a true record? Agreed. Agreed. Thank you. Uh, matters arising from those minutes. Please, I just just make your points. Yep. Very brief point, Mr. Chairman, just to say on minute. C75, you know, that whilst the Lib Dem group was disappointed that the Council didn't support its budget amendments, nevertheless we are delighted that the uh, proposal for uh, what well, we get there eventually. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any uh, other matters arising? No? Good. Okay, we'll move on to uh, Chairman's announcements. Well, uh, this month I have had a very uh, good visit to our prestigious Rolls-Royce and Bentley establishment at P&A Wood. And, uh, sorry? No, I didn't buy one, although there is a photograph of me next to one in a chain. In the chain, so it's, it'll be next on my expenses. Um, and they showed fantastic hospitality, I must admit. Uh, and uh, it is a beacon of quality in our district, so thanks go to them. I also attended the Jack Petchy Foundation uh, celebration at the Drury Lane and a number of civic dinners, um, including the Chairman of Essex County Council. And, very interestingly, the Ceremony of the Keys at the Tower of London, uh, courtesy of Tony Boyce, Chairman of Epping Forest District Council. And last but not least, of course, um, the visit of the Princess Anne to the Affording Housing Scheme and the marvellous associated uh, sporting and recreational facilities um, at Manudan, which um, I'm sure many, many of us uh, are particularly proud of. Um, finally... Um, I know I haven't made many calls upon you during my uh, year as chairman, but um, Stephanie Harris did comment on the past on my golfing attire, which uh, she said causes some embarrassment. But she did promise to pay £50 pounds, um, to my chairman's fund, which is supporting Help for Heroes and the British Heart Foundation, um, if I were to wear my golfing attire to the council meeting. So... <laughs> These are my golfing trousers. 
and there is a box which Councillor Ranger has there and any donations for Help for Heroes and for uh, the British Heart Foundation, preferably notes, which I hope you will pass around this evening and that would be most uh, must appreciated. So thank you very much indeed for that. I will keep these trousers on for the rest of the evening. Yeah, don't, 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 don't take any more. <laughs> okay, and uh, next we have uh, reports from the leader. Uh, thank you, Chairman, and uh, good evening, members. Um, just a couple of points. Uh, I updated Council at the last meeting about the devolution uh, discussion. You'll remember that uh, uh, the desire for a greater Essex to take um, powers down from Westminster Whitehall. Um, that group, uh, for obvious reasons, hasn't met in the last two to three weeks. Uh, but before it um, broke for the election, uh, it did submit a letter to the Secretary of State expressing its uh, outlined desire uh, to proceed with a devolution proposal. Um, obviously the detail uh, will have to be fleshed out after the election but I just wanted to keep you abreast of that and I think we'll need to consider after the election how we take this matter forward so that members feel that they are very much involved in the discussion. It, it, it is not about us uh, uh, giving up any of our responsibilities or taking responsibilities from Essex County Council. It is about a, a, a combined Essex authority taking power particularly around uh, investment infrastructure uh, down from central government. So keep you posted on that. Um, the only other thing I wanted to say was around the uh, Uttlesford um, uh, planning policy working group um, which uh, the last two meetings have uh, spent quite some time around a possible potential uh, five pitch gypsy site just outside Arxton. I say potential so far that it was listed but obviously it's got to go through the due process and that is happening um, and we, as we speak we're receiving reports back from the um, uh, environment agency and the agency employed by the owners in terms of its uh, suitability in terms of flooding. Um, the other uh, area of, of, that we have considered at uh, the um, working group is the call for sites uh, that was initiated uh, at the beginning of April it goes through to the beginning of June uh, so clearly uh, that is a key piece of the process uh, the second key piece of the process is around uh, determining numbers uh, and that links with the duty to cooperate with neighbouring councils work uh, that Councillor Barker chairs um, and uh, they will come together and the third piece obviously uh, of the jigsaw is to have a strategy in terms of once we determine the, uh, the numbers uh, where uh, that, uh, th that they might be considered and uh, so we do need to uh, uh, shape a strategy around that. So that is all for post-election uh, but the um, call for sites and uh, the work on numbers is underway so uh, hopefully we'll be able to maintain speed on uh, the revised local plan. Um, <coughs> The main uh, thing I wanted to say was that tonight is a very special occasion, uh, well I think probably for all of us, uh, uh, but particularly for ten uh, members of our council. Um, 
They represent 133 years of experience, uh, and that is going to be a huge loss uh, to any future council. Um, four members, uh, Andrew Ketteridge, uh, David Watson, uh, Joe Rich and Lawrence Smith have served for the last four years. Uh, we thank them and we wish them well. Uh, and we particularly wish Joe Rich well uh, as he stands the parliamentary candidate in Stoke South. Keith Eden um, has served for eight years and of course was vice chairman of the planning committee for the last four years. Elizabeth Godwin has served for 15 years and of course was chairman of the council from 2004 and has been chairman of scrutiny in the last term. Christina Kant has served for 18 years, a former chairman of the council and um, before that a chairman of the development control committee from 2004 to 07. David Mawson has served 20 years, leader of his party uh, and uh, from 2003 to 7, chairman of the community and leisure committee. Jackie Teetum has served for 24 years and of course was Deputy Leader of the Council and Chairman of the Planning Committee from 2007 uh, to 15 of the Planning Committee and to 14 as Deputy Leader of the Council. And finally, uh, uh, last but most certainly not least, Jim Ketteridge has served for 32 years and was Chairman of the Council from 2002 and of course Leader from 2007 to 2014. Jim was first elected a councillor when Margaret Thatcher came to power in 1979. A quite extraordinary achievement. And um, we remember Jim and Jackie as leader and deputy taking the council in 2007 and turning it into what we recognise today. As an expression of uh, the service that Jim Ketteridge uh, has done over 30 years, leader of the council, at the annual, carriage, parish, uh, at the annual council meeting, I would look, like to look, put forward that Jim Ketteridge becomes an alderman of this council. But I think all our councillors uh, should deserve a very rich round of applause for the efforts, the dedication and the time that they have put into their term of office. Thank you all very much indeed. concludes my uh, comments, Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Rolf. Uh, we have reports from Councillors Ranger, Walters, Redfern and Cheatham. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, members, as indicated at the last Council meeting in February, I have tabled a report of the outcomes of the past four years of activity across my portfolio. I say mine because I'm the incumbent, but a deal of credit must go to Councillor Rolf who held the reins from May 2011 until the summer of last year. If my report seems to you to have a narrative feel, it's because that essentially is what life of the Council is, in my opinion. A story of day-to-day -day events affected by outside influences and dealt with by normal human beings whilst attempting to steer a steady course within very strict guidelines. My first version was four sides of A4. What you have is half of that. What you do not want to hear, I'm sure, is me reading it out for ten minutes, but I am, as ever, Chair, willing to take questions. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Councillor Walters. Thank you, Chair. Thank you.
no. Um, it has in fact been approved and it's been signed off by the portfolio holder and it survived what they call the three-day members call-in period where they can, if they want to, um, cause a few problems, but there's been none at all, so it survived that. And the latest news on it, and it is our first major cycle path in the district, is that apart from one or two minor little things like adjustment on the timetable, the plan is to construct it in the summer months during the school holidays. So hopefully at the end of that we'll have uh, our cycle path uh, underway. Uh, the other thing is, of course, is the wonderful documents being produced, the cycle strategy for the district. We commissioned a very detailed document. That is now in the hands of the local highways panel. And, of course, after the election, it will then slowly proceed through it. But one thing I would caution everybody about, funding is a major issue because without it, we can't do much on the way of cycle paths. But at least now we've got a document which shows us the direction which we should go. Thank you very much, Jim. Thank you. Sorry, any questions, please answer. I'll come to the questions in a minute. Um, Councillor Redfern. Thank you, Chairman. Um, as this is my last chance I may have to report to the Council on the housing portfolio, I have decided I will read you six pages. No, I won't really. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I have, Ros and I. Um, did a list of what we've done in the last four years at this, at this council and I seriously have got um, six pages but I am going to try and do you a quick run through of it so if it gets a bit hoppy it's because I'm skipping bits out just trying to take the key items but um, on empty homes this council now has um, an empty homes officer who is doing an extraordinary job at bringing houses back into um, use. In the last year, 168 empty homes have been brought back into use, um, and this has given us a, a, a council tax revenue of £24,000, as well as the um, new homes bonus we get for this of £119,567. <coughs> We've been tackling poor standards by working with Essex authorities to establish the Essex Landlord Accreditation Scheme. Um, we have been uh, applying for uh, disability facility grants and we've been very successful in this. We have been doing uh, energy efficient improvements to our council properties and helping our tenants to tackle housing uh, fuel poverty. And we've embarked on a, quite a lengthy um, programme of work on our own housing stock, installing measures to reduce those costs and eliminating cold, damp, condensation and mould. And this should help improve health and well-being. We've installed uh, air source heat pumps into 84 properties. Um, we've, we, got, we were lucky to secure funding for that 304,000. We've done external wall insulation to 52 properties. We've installed 1,505 brand new uh, front doors to stop those drafty wooden doors that we all um, are so used to knocking on. We have encouraged the building of new energy efficient housing in affordable housing with the support, supporting the new passive house development at Hatfield Heath and providing area growth funding and road improvements to the site. Going forward, we have bid for more match funding to continue to carry out further improvements. We are also considering the opportunities of solar panels on tenanted pro properties to reduce utility bills. Housing management. As you all know, we own almost 3,000 council properties ourselves and we've worked closely with tenants and leaseholders to introduce policies 
policies that will help create sustainable tenancies and estates. We have implemented a new tenancy policy that um, introduces fixed term tenancies onto properties of three bedrooms or more and this ensures that properties we do uh, that we have movement in our, in our housing stock. We have a um, new uh, arrears policy, we have implemented a downsizing policy, implemented antisocial behaviour policies and procedures, helped to set up a new tenant scrutiny panel to monitor the performance of housing services, relaunched our tenants participation work under the branding of Get Involved with Housing. We are also assisting vulnerable residents to remain in their own or own or current home by promoting and providing telecare services for all residents in the district, both private and public. We now offer a wide range of sensors and alarms and care line services. The lack of affordable housing in the district has resulted in an increase of the number of people looking for, to the council for help and a rise in number the numbers actually presenting as homeless. This reinforces the need for the development of new homes, both market and affordable social rent. We've, we're developing strong working relationships through homeless partnership and develop the homeless strategy to tackle homelessness in the district. Consulted widely on the, the development of new allocations policy to make, the, make sure that people with the strongest local connections are given priority for our social housing. Developed our own in-house rent deposit guarantee scheme, so this helps many. Provided funding for the first time for the provision of a domestic violence outreach support service within Uttlesford. Decreased the use of bed and breakfast accommodation for homeless families by providing furnished temporary accommodation units within our own district. Despite these achievements, there's still more to do and we must continue to do all we can to prevent homelessness in this challenging economic climate through working with partners to deliver improved services. Whilst all the above measures help, the real solution is to build more affordable housing for rent. And this brings me smoothly on to, um, as you will all remember, in April 2012, we bought ourselves out of the housing uh, subsidy and this has enabled us to progress our council housing building programme to the point where we have completed two schemes in Leaden Roading which have delivered 13 new homes. Phase one and two of the development at Mead Court are well underway and, we will and this will deliver 29 new homes. The handover of the first phase of um, uh, Mead Court is set for early May. I hope I'll be here to see that. We have planning permission to redevelop Reynolds Court in Newport and the remodelling of Hatherley Court in Saffron Walden, sorry, Hatherley in Saffron Walden. A development of six new properties in Catons Lane in Saffron Walden. These all have permission. We are reviewing the opportunities for the delivery of a further regeneration and new, uh, for further regeneration and new build. And we're looking at all the sites we own, including sheltered schemes, garage and infill sites, and excess garden land. All are being assessed for the, uh, assessed for the development viability. We have also earmarked lands to enable a provider of domestic violence services to build the first domestic violence refuge within this district. Uh, I can just go on and on really, but I'm not going to. Um, new homes delivery. We have given planning permission in 2014-15 for 567 affordable homes, which will be 414 affordable rent and 153 shared ownership. This will provide much needed affordable homes over the next few years as they are developed across the district. 
Rural exception housing, we continue to deliver these successfully as well as the passive house schemes in Hatfield Heath. There are others progressing in Wimbish, Little Hallingbury and Newport. And just for your information, next year will be 25 years since Uttlesford delivered its first exception site, which was in Ashton. Um, the first extra care scheme in the district has, has, has been approved and will provide 73 one and two bed mixed tenure apartments for social and shared ownership for older people with varying needs of support. The council has provided commuted sums to fund this and the scheme should be delivered um, in Saffron Walden. It is anticipated that the construction will start on this in October. Our own stock, we have completed one of the largest investment programmes in many years to, to improve our existing stock. stock worked, work has ensured that council houses continue to meet the decent home standard. We are upgrading existing sheltered housing to ensure that they are of the highest quality and work has included the provision of new call care schemes and the installation of internet cafe lounges for our residents because we have a tremendous amount of um, what they call grey surfers. Along with the Tenants Forum and the Housing Board, we will continue to review the investment of options for this council and all our housing stock and take our plans on into the future. When we're preparing this report, I was amazed at what's been achieved in such a short time and I hope you all feel as proud of this council as I do. That is the end of my report, but there is just one other thing I would like to say, if I may, Chairman. I'd just like to say that I've enjoyed working with officers and councillors here, and that I am disappointed that the ward boundaries, that the ward that I represent, has been merged with two others, meaning that one of the three existing councillors will not be here after the 7th of May. So to Jan and, Jan and Robert, I wish you both well and regret that whatever happens, um, regret that whatever happens, one of us won't be here after the election, but I wish you both well. Thank you very much, uh, Councillor Edwin. A very impressive record. Uh, Councillor Cheatham. Hi. Um, I, these are on airport matters. I attended a stack meeting in January. One of the main discussions that was on the agenda was that the airport wished to raise the cost of set-down and pick-up for the local people from 50p to a pound per visit. I argued that the the airport train and bus station was seen as the local station for those villages around the airport. In fact, it was designated as a transport hub in the Regiospatial Strategy 14, sadly, which is no longer with us. And this was too big an increase for local families to bear. Many parents drop their children off at the airport to catch trains and buses for education and work, and increasing the costs could mean a family could pay at least £5 a week more just to get children relatives <coughs> to work or school. The chairman agreed to take the matter back to the subcommittee that had given its support to the airport proposal. I attended this meeting and put forward a suggestion that we should have an inner radius drawn so that the villages nearest to the airport should stay at 50p and the outer radius, which now takes in parts of Epping and Braintree, should pay more. I await to see what the outcome will be. The next meeting of the stack is on the 22nd of April. 
The other topic was at Stansted Airport's Sustainable Development Plan, which the airport has now published, but only as an email version, as they have had problems with the printers dealing with the hard copy. I will get Jeremy Pine to send a link to all members so you can see what the, docu the document online or download it. The airport manage management of MAG are planning for the future and will be looking to expand the airport up to 40 million plus in the next few years. This council must make sure that the benefits economics of the airport do not outweigh the environmental impact on our beautiful district when consulted on this con its application. The other meeting I attended was the SAGSIG meeting at in March. After the main business, we had a presentation from the CAA on the proposed changes in airspace that are needed in the southeast. And these are needed whether we have another runway at Heathrow Gatwick or Stansted or wherever else in, in London. The most important message coming from the CAA is that environmental issues with regard to flight paths must be taken into account, into account when proposing changes. Changes are going to be needed regardless of that new runway, but environment is becoming top of the agenda for the government that is in power at the moment. With regard to our local issue of the change of flight route, the Dover-Clapton one, which changed it from half going across Hallingbury and Hatfield Heath and half going round by the Easterns, Dunmer and Stebbing, this has not been signed off as yet. This is my last report with regard to airport issues, and as I am retiring from the council, as mentioned earlier. First, I would like to thank officers for both past and present for their help with the work that they have given me while I've been on the council. And I say to all members who hope to be here on the new council that you must remain vigilant with regard to expansion and a second runway at Stansted Airport. We have a policy at this council that there should be no second runway at Stansted, a view that the majority of our residents agree with. When the Davis report is published in June, I am sure there will be another surge from those who want another runway at Stansted and will try to make the case for one instead of it going to Heathrow or Gatwick. This will be a catastrophe for our beautiful part of Essex and we would not be the best part in England to live in if it happened. I will make sure that this report is emailed to you tomorrow, but can I, on, in response to Councillor Rolf's comments, just add a couple of things as I've been here for 24 years. And I wanted to say that when I started on this this, this council, most of us only had large computers like Amstrad. Mobile phones were just for making telephone calls. There was no Twitter, no Facebook, and emails were not on your phone. All papers were sent to, for all meetings to all members held at the council. But now, as there was in those times, some committees were more popular than others. The council offices were open to the world. You could come and go without a security pass. The doors were always open. Things are very different now with our high-tech, security-conscious world. Some of the future looks very interesting, and I hope the council will not forget, but I hope the council will not forget some of the old-fashioned ways that made it a good place to work and meet colleagues at. Let 
us hope that the new council can work with a good spirit of cooperation that we have joined in the past. For those who hope to be back in the chamber, good luck, and those who are leaving, like me, a peaceful retirement. And I hope maybe we can form a club, those old people we can meet for lunch every so often. Every so often. A word to the office there. I may, officers, I may be leaving the district council, but I'm now on Takeley Parish Council, so you probably will see me again here from time to time. Thank you very much, uh, Councillor Cheatham. It reminds me of a wedding vow, which was uh, uh, I love you for better or worse, but not for lunch every day. Funny you should say that. I said that to my husband today. <laughs> uh, any more uh, reports? I don't, think, I don't think so, but we do have uh, questions of the leader and uh, members of the executive. So uh, I believe we have Councillor Howell first. Thank you, Chairman. I actually have a, a couple of comments, but first can I express my thanks and appreciation to Councillor Walters. When I first uh, was elected to represent the Samford Ward, I uh, attended Hempstead Parish Council's uh, meeting and they told me that for 40 years they'd sought a pavement through Hempstead um, and they said that was their key objective and four years later I'm delighted that the pavement through Hempstead is in construction and will be completed during the course uh, of the summer and much of this is due to the chairmanship of Councillor Walters and the, uh, the highways panel but for me it's evidence of how effective we can be as an organisation when we work properly and in partnership with Essex County Council and Parish Councils so can I take this opportunity to express my thanks on behalf of the Parish Council of Hempstead at their meeting last week, they asked me to particularly express their thanks to, to Uttlesford and to Alistair for all he's done. Um, my second point is, is actually um, a question or a comment to, to Councillor Redfern, because I, I found her report very interesting, illuminating, um, and, and a useful barometer or, or, or a mark for us to compare the approach of, of others to the issue of affordable housing and housing across the district. Because uh, while canvassing, uh, the comment of the leader of, of RFU have been drawn to my attention and, and I think that they contrast quite clearly with the approach that this administration has adopted over the last four years and, and to quote the individual uh, Councillor Mackman has said that I believe the council needs to be far more innovative in its approach to providing good quality social housing such things as static caravans flat pack housing I doubt very much that a single mother of two children would turn her nose up at the possibility of moving into a caravan. I, I don't expect councillors here to comment on, on those comments. That's for, for RFU to explain. But I would ask if Councillor Redfern could very kindly circulate a copy of her report because I thought that it contrasted quite significantly. Councillor Howell, of course, I will um, circulate the report. It will have absolutely everything, even the bits I didn't read out, but I would like to say that the key to the comments you've just made is that what we, can, what we want to do here is quality housing. Uh, Councillor Kent. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I will get round to asking a question in a minute, but I do ask your indulgence. Because um, I aim to confuse you, first of all, as much as I'm confused. Um, back in uh, the summer of last year, Lindsell Parish Council, which is Lindsell Parish Meeting, which is uh, part of my patch, um, when asked, said they would like some money for a village sign. 
So I gave them £500. And it's been some troubling me somewhat over the last few months because I expected to be invited to the unveiling of this village site. And I got, uh, when I went to a funeral recently, I met the clerk there and she said, haven't you had the papers about this? And I said, no. So she sent me all the correspondence she's had. Between October and the present time, this permission to erect this village sign has been bounced backwards and forwards between Uttlesford District Council and Essex County Council. Essex County Council say that they are unable to grant consent under section 115A-115K of the Act of 1980. Previously, village signs were given permission by Uttlesford under section 42. This section allows the erection of statues or monuments Uttlesford now holds that a village sign is neither a statue nor a monument and therefore cannot grant permission for it. This then went back to Essex County Council. Essex County Council said they didn't have the power to do this. The power remained with Uttlesford District Council. There are Four other authorities that I know of that Essex County Council have quoted to me, Rochford, Basildon, Braintree and Colchester, all of whom allow the erection of village signs under section 42. I eventually, last Sunday, in desperation, fired off an email to Andrew Taylor and said, I really do not, and I copied in Sue Barker and Roger Harbour, and said, I really do not know what's going on. When you think of all the monstrosities we have erected in Uttlesford, this is a really nice village sign that Lynns will want to erect. Andrew Taylor said, I'll deal with it. I, it's obviously not got as far as him. He got in touch with them. They came back to me. Uh, Andrew came back to me and said, this is really bizarre. I don't understand Essex problem. Essex County Council came back and with an email to me saying that they really hoped that UDC would reconsider their position and return to their previous giving permission for village signs. Uttlesford's response to that was just because we made mistakes in the past doesn't mean we should continue to make mistakes in the future. I am rather hoping that Andrew and Essex County Council have now sorted this. But my question to the Council is, I want this on the minutes so that if at the next Council meeting Lindsay do not have permission to erect their village sign, someone on this Council continues to make a fuss with Uttlesford and Essex and bang both their heads together so that we can actually get Linzels and it, it will apply to any of you who have a village who would like to erect a nice village sign. Thank you very much. Uh, Councillor Kent, can I just suggest that you apply for a, a statue on a pole and um, then Uttlesford can probably grant you permission. <laughs> Councillor Magman. Thank you very much.
not entirely sure what point Councillor Howell was trying to make when he mentioned a statement that I made some months back because I strongly do believe that the Council should be more innovative in its approach to providing social housing. But that's not particularly relevant at the moment. I had three questions for Councillor Redfern, but before I actually ask them, I'm very pleased to say that I think that all members would share my view that the Housing Department of Oxford District Council has done a very good job over the past four years and obviously she's been integral to that. Now, the three questions that I asked are fairly technical and I would appreciate a written response in due course because uh, there's, there's more to it than actually meets the eye. I was asked by somebody why, with regard to um, Reynolds Court, why the council had chosen the cost plus method of procurement. So that was the first question. The second question was, does, is the council aware of the potential risks and hazards that are inherent in using that form of procurement? And thirdly, does Councillor Redfern believe that the council has sufficient resources to actually handle that form of procurement? Councillor Redfern. I thank you for sending me this in advance. I am fully prepared. Um, unfortunately, um, Councillor Mackman, we're not doing um, a cost plus uh, procurement. Um, so I'm not, I'll answer the question, but it's not that type of... Basically, the procurement route we are taking is a two-stage design and build route. It's a fixed price at the point of entering into the contract, varied only by instructions from us, the client. Um, so your uh, question, why did we choose this procurement route? We didn't. Um, so uh, the two-stage design and build was chosen. I'll explain why we chose the one we did rather than the one you thought we did. Um, because it offers benefits in terms of early contractor engagement on such matters as programming and buildability. And this is particularly important at Reynolds Court because we have got um, residents who wish to remain in situ. Um, and we want to engage with the highest possible calibre of um, contractors and this type of procurement does enable us to do that. Um, so we, as far as the risks that we're taking as a council, I think we've got, I, I do firmly believe we've got that covered. Um, and we do have the resources to, um, to manage this route. Um, we, the procurement is being managed by our consultants, Henry Riley, um, who have been in practice for, uh, for 125 years and specialise in this type of construction for older persons' accommodation. I'm happy to send you um, these comments um, by email, but just to put your mind at rest, I, th I, I really do think we have covered, covered the basis on this. If we haven't, you'll be able to tell me another time. Uh, Councillor Rose. Thank you very much. Um, two questions, one for Councillor Ranger, one for Councillor Redfern. Um, Councillor Ranger, uh, we saw the uh, tragic fire in Whittington with one of our local uh, businesses, Carr and Bircher. Um, would he agree with me that this is the kind of business that uh, warrants support from the District Council and would he help me um, resolve some of the issues that uh, are company like that who employs over 45 local um, people uh, would help the economy in our local area. And uh, secondly, for Councillor Redfern, would she help me celebrate and would she agree that uh, Reynolds Court is in fact a benefit to Uttlesford 
that it is essentially more for less. We have more housing, 38 homes uh, now being changed to 41, so we have more housing, more homes, more care for the elderly, better quality care and less waste of empty rooms and therefore more revenue for the District Council. So it is a significant building giving us a better future for Uttlesford. Councillor Ranger, do you wish to? Yes, uh, thank you, Chairman. Yes, uh, Councillor Rose, I, um, uh, I do sympathise with Karen Bircher um, with their problems, and I will certainly ask our Economic Development Officer to contact the company, okay. um, ascertain the full facts, and uh, see where that leads us. Thank you. Councillor Edmund, does want a response? Yes. Yes. Well, you know, I'm always up for giving a bit of a celebration of what we're doing for housing in um, in Uttlesford, and I couldn't agree with you more. In actual fact, it's 28 houses, uh, 28 apartments at the moment, and we're increasing it to 41. Um, and I do believe it's good for Uttlesford. I do believe it's good for um, the tenants, and um, it's particularly good for us in the housing department because at the moment that um, particular um, building is hard for us to let and I think if I remember rightly from my uh, previous discussions on this we've been losing 21,000 a year in um, uh, empty, empty apartments so we haven't been able to collect up to the average of £21,000 a year since I think it was 1997 so as far as I'm concerned this is a win-win for, um, for Uttlesford and I've um, you know Sheltered accommodation that is of, of the right. Um, yeah. Continue. Sorry, <laughs> I thought you were waiting at me. Sorry, where was I? Uh, yes, I think it's a it's a marvellous um, development for the district and for Newport. Okay, we're nearing the end of questions, but I have Councillor Dean and then Councillor Knight. Uh, I have two uh, questions of a. Uh, a Stansted nature, but before I do, I'd just like to endorse the comments that the Leader of the Council made about those members who are voluntarily uh, standing down from the Council. I think everybody who comes onto this authority uh, brings with them things about their own community and things that they want to contribute to the community, and they do so and learn something about it whilst they're here and take something back and I'm sure that those of you who are going to have fewer meetings like this to come to will uh, play roles in your own uh, wards, your own parishes in a different way and I, uh, I congratulate you in doing that and I suppose I ought to say also to that really applies to those who may not be coming back for uh, involuntary reasons because the electorate decide that uh, they prefer other people so to all of you uh, who won't be here to all of us who won't be here uh, in May um, uh, good luck my, um, my two questions one relates, the first one relates to the um, parking partnership my, my wife is a member of Stansted Mount Fitcher Parish Council attended a meeting of the parking partnership I don't know a month ago or something like that and they agreed to some revised revisions to residents parking in Lower Street and 
High Lane in Stansted. As I understand it, that had to, there was an aspect relating to the Lower Street car park that required the completion of the decision to come to the Cabinet here. So I inquired about whether that was on the agenda for the Cabinet meeting last week, only to be told, next week, only to be told that the Cabinet meeting is being cancelled because of lack of business. Um, and yet there was certainly one piece of business that I thought was going to be transacted. So I, I'd very much like to know where that piece of business has got to and whether it can be dealt with maybe by the leader under his own authority rather than it waiting until the next council and then possibly getting lost. So that was my first one. And the other one also relates to, uh, to Lower Street Car Park in Stansted. I, I keep having people who visit the NHS dentist in Saffron Walden who wishes to move to the new building in Lower Street in Stansted, the one, the four-storey building with a health centre in it. Uh, they keep coming back and saying that... Um, there's a problem with parking for the dentist and his staff. Um, I don't want to go into the detail now. I know it's not entirely a council matter by any means whatsoever, but, but I would ask that uh, this particular matter uh, is at least given some serious consideration by those who can do so, so that we either don't end up with no NHS dentist in Sandstead because it's not fitting together or, or for whatever reason. And as I say, I'm not pointing fingers because I know there are quite a number of parties involved in this complex process. May I have any answers that are available at the moment, please, and anything else followed up in writing? Thank you, Councillor Parker. Thank you, Chairman. Um, Chairman, yes, the residence car parking alterations in Lower Street provide for dual-use bays between, I believe, 10 o'clock and 4 o'clock. There are residents in Lower Street that think they may return to their dual-use bays and not have any spaces available to them. And the Cabinet needs to make a decision about whether we could allow those residents who return not to find a free space to use Stansted Lower Street car park free of charge. Um, I think if the officers are happy, I'm quite happy that the leader should be able to do that under delegated powers. I don't see it as a particularly contentious issue. On the second issue of the dentist car parking, I have discussed this with Andrew Taylor, and we feel that the, the dentist is actually no different from any other shopkeeper. Um, other shopkeepers have to find places for their staff to park, for the managers to park. As you're aware, we do have an agreement with the health centre and they have leased spaces from us. If the dentist wished to come back to us and ask to lease a number of spaces or long-term permits or you know, annual permits, then there would be no problem. But it's not as if the surgery is getting places free of charge. And I see no reason that we should offer them to the dentist. Councillor Knight. I would like to share sympathy with Councillor Kant. Um, I do feel there is a, a huge problem with Essex County Council left hand not knowing what their right hand is doing uh, and it's causing a great uh, deal of frustration. I've got a number of cases and I won't go through them all. Um, Councillor Howell and I are working on one particular one where we're getting mixed messages and I would like to suggest if possible that at next council that perhaps there is a working group from here to Uttlesford to work with Essex County Council who seem to see, think we are the flies on their back 
rather than partners um, and I would like to see something done because the situation is becoming quite farcical. I'm also in a, a bat and ball situation as well with Essex County Council and Uttersworth County Council officers. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm sure the leader will take that on board. Yeah, I mean, uh, both instances, uh, uh, Canton Councillor Knight, so I think it's well known that uh, mindless bureaucracy drives me mad. So um, we'll absolutely follow that through and invite you to the unveiling. Uh, so whoever is uh, elected to uh, your old ward um, and the new leader, whoever that may be, uh, if it's me, then I'll certainly follow it through. Uh, we'll, we'll make that happen. And I, I take Councillor Knight's point. We have the locality board where we meet meet with uh, Essex uh, County Council cabinet members and that is bearing some fruit but I'd be very keen after the election I won't keep saying if uh, re-elected, I think that applies to every one of us uh, but to, uh, to take that up and to have a more uh, proactive because there are irritations in the process which actually I think if we focus on them we could, we could deal with quite quickly so uh, uh, Councillor Walters and I have got uh, one of our own so I, we sympathise and we'll deal with it thank you and the last question I have from Councillor Perry. Thank you, Chairman. The question is for Councillor Redfern. But before I ask the question, I want to give my personal thanks to her for her support to the Housing Board, which I chair. It's been a privilege. And the Housing Board and the Housing Portfolio is an exemplar to follow from other councils are envious of us. And I feel it's great we are progressive and we are consultative. We listen to what we're being told by other bodies, the tenants and all the others. Well, I, my question is, I think it's such a good news story that you've got to give that it shouldn't be just to this room, it should be put out as a press release. Thank you for those uh, comments. Moving to the next item of business. Don't I get to answer that? No. No, that, that was praise enough. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, Councillor Perry. And um, I will talk to the housing team about whether or not they can put this out. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, moving to the next item of business, uh, this is item 7, to receive um, the report and the recommendation from the, uh, on the pay policy, which is item 7, uh, authored by Adrian Webb. I believe this is going to be presented and proposed by... Well, I'll present Councillor Chambers will propose. Chief Executive first. Thank you, Chairman. We are required by law to produce a pay policy which is approved by council every year and this time we took it to cabinet first but it's been brought to you. The changes from last year simply uh, reflect the, the fact that we are now a, um, a living wage employer and that uh, there are some minor changes around the, the pension arrangements for self-enrolment. Um, other than that there are no changes to last year and uh, the recommendation is that the council approve the pay policy. Thank you Chairman. Councillor Chambers. Mr Chairman, I, uh, I'm more than happy to propose that uh, and thank the officers for all the work they've put in, as usual, on the pay policy. Do I have a seconder for that? Yeah. Plenty. And um, those in favour, please. No, you haven't. Well, I can't... Paragraph 9 um, on page 26... There's, there's a sentence after A, B and C. It says the authority adopts an early retirement policy. Is that a statement of intent? Is that a statement of what's 
happened or is that a qualification on cessation of employment in the previous paragraphs? It, it just doesn't make sense to me, but maybe other people can interpret it differently. Chairman, we do have an early retirement policy which doesn't really allow for early retirement, but nonetheless we do have an early retirement policy. So it should be as adopted. We were just about to vote. Uh, can I have all those in favour, please? <laughs> okay. Um, nothing to report, I believe, on item eight, which is uh, matters uh, received about joint arrangements and external organisations. That's correct, Chairman. And the next item nine, which is matters received from committees and working groups. Uh, which is page 33. I think these are just to be noted. Um, so we have to propose and second for noting them. Somebody that was there, please. Councillor Kent. Seconded, please. Councillor Easton, those in favour? For those that are there. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Can I express sympathy for the length of the meeting, Chairman? What, that one or this one? <laughs> the, one we meet, the one we voted on. Okay. <laughs> Item 10, amendments to the Constitution. Uh, yeah, it's just a, a proposer and seconded to, um, to adopt. I'm happy to propose, Chairman, the first recommendation and that the second recommendation for the constitutional charges uh, stand adjourned to the next ordinary meeting. I'll second that. We have a seconder. Uh, oh. I'm happy to second it, but I'd just like to understand why there's a, about five words at the top of page 39 that haven't been struck out. I think they should have been struck out. They will be struck out then. Yes, they will be struck out. Councillor Knight? I'd just like clarification on page 36, paragraph 1. Um, which states that um, basically the financial officer and, and the monitoring officer um, have statutory protection and no disciplinary action may be taken against them. Um, well, I can understand the reasoning because obviously if the monitoring officer is digging too deeply or the financial officer is chasing certain departments that they wouldn't want to be thrown out because of the doing their job. But if they're not doing their job in certain areas, uh, are you telling me that they are immune from everything? Chairman, if I may help, that is not the case. Um, there is a procedure for disciplinary action against all three of the statutory officers, the head of paid service, the section 151 officer and the monitoring officer. And um, that has involved 
uh, a recommendation in a report made by a designated independent person. The proposed changes put before you arise from a change in legislation passed by government as Parliament almost um, ended its session, um, making it a lot easier for you to uh, discipline um, your statutory officers, and, and that's what's been laid before you. So that there are disciplinary procedures, but equally because of the statutory nature of the post, there is additional protection. That remains, but it's been diluted by these proposals which are put before you. Thank you very much. We have a... Councillor Barker. Um, again, the sort of wording. On page 37, Officer Employment Procedure Rules, paragraph 1, subparagraph A, sub, subparagraph 1, it defines a long list of people, parent, grandparent, partner, child, stepchild, adopted child, grandchild, brother, sister, etc., etc. It doesn't actually say step-parent or foster-parent. Does the word parent cover all generic types of parenting? Mr. Perry. Chairman, the situation is that we are required by law to adopt the standing orders in these forms. Uh, we don't have discretion on this. Um, the, the proposal reflects the legislation. It doesn't include step parents or foster parents, but that's what the legislation says. We have to adopt it as it is drawn. Thank you. We have a proposer and a seconder. And basically, this, is, this item is to um, accept, and then it stands uh, adjourned until the next ordinary meeting of Council. So the first one we're voting on. Those in favour, please. And the second one just stands on the table. Excellent. Thank you very much for that. Appointment of the Section 151 Officer, Item 11. Uh, Chief Executive. Thank you, Chairman. Um, Chairman and Members, the Section 151 Officer is a statutory role and its function is to contribute to corporate management and leadership, to maintain strong financial management and effective financial controls, to support and advise the democratic process, to support officers and to lead and manage an effective responsive financial service. Members, in July you resolved to allocate the Section 151 function of the Council to Mr Webb on an interim basis. Mr Webb was a Section 151 officer from 2007-8 and resumed the role in June last year when the previous post holder left the Council. Since then, Mr Webb and his team have overseen an unqualified audit, uh, a set out a medium-term financial strategy and a budget for 2015-16, to 16, all to a very high standard, and he's done all this as well as his other duties as a corporate director. I consider that members may be confident that the role can be assigned now to Mr Webb permanently, and that is what the recommendation is. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, proposer, please. Uh, it gives me very great uh, pleasure to uh, propose the recommendation as laid out on page 45. Uh, as the Chief Executive has uh, indicated, Mr Webb has done an outstanding job since resuming this post. He did an outstanding job the first time, uh, but since resuming this post as leader, uh, I've had uh, every assurance in terms of the uh, robustness of our financial affairs uh, and the perception with which we are looking at them and uh, the way that we monitor them and uh, plan ahead. So, as I say, it gives me very great pleasure to propose. Thank you. 
take questions. I'm assuming um, Councillor Chambers will second. If I may, uh, uh, Chairman, I'd just like to say that I've worked very closely with uh, Mr Webb for a long time now. It was my suggestion, because the Council wished to have an interim period, which from a legal point of view is extremely difficult, but I'm delighted now that, that it is being put forward that it becomes permanent, uh, Section 151, and I'm sure the Council, whichever members are here, will be served extremely well by Mr Webb, who I consider to be an excellent 151 officer. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I think I have one question, um, Councillor Macman. Not so much a question as a statement. Uh, I was going to, I would, I would have been happy to second. Uh, I'd like to congratulate uh, Adrian for the wonderful job that he's been doing. The advice and guidance that he gave myself and my colleagues over the budget was second to none, and I'm delighted that he's going to be taking the position full time. Thank you very much. Can we vote then that the function of the Section 151 officer falls within the role of Mr. Adrian Webb? Thank you very much. Item 12, which is the adoption of bylaws, and I believe that our tattoo specialist, Councillor Perry. I, I, I will take this, Chairman, and then. Okay. Uh, could, could, rather surprisingly, I would like to declare an interest in this, as I am the owner of a salon that does do some form of piercing, so I will keep quiet. Chief Executive. Thank you, Chairman. I will be brief. Um, just give Councillor Redfern time to find the door. <laughs> um, Council is requested to approve new bylaws to update existing controls on ear piercing, tattooing, electrolysis and acupuncture. This may mean something to some of you. The new bylaws would increase the scope of controls to include regulation of cosmetic piercing and semi-permanent skin colouring. These are all procedures involving some degree of skin piercing and therefore potential health risks from skin infections and blood-borne diseases. About 25 businesses in the district are registered under the current bylaws. A further three would need to register to comply with the proposed new bylaws. It's necessary to introduce the updated bylaws to ensure the safety of customers taking up the services occupied by local businesses which involve skin piercing. Chairman, we need these bylaws to regulate this sort of thing, so the recommendation is to uh, adopt the bylaws. On a personal note, I would recommend that no one goes anywhere near a tattooist, but that's entirely up to you. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you. Um, I believe uh, Councillor Perry will be proposing this. Thank you, Chairman. It is um, for this Council and this authority to regulate and monitor this situation, and the bylaws are there to enable that to happen. We did see some time ago the little fishes that did the skin on the feet, which didn't last very long, and this is another which the, the elements involving this are springing up everywhere and therefore they need to be carefully controlled and we need this bylaw to make sure we are. It is a potential health risk and I would like to move the recommendation. Thank you, Chairman. Do we have a seconder for this? Councillor Mackman, can we have a vote on this, please? Those in favour?
very much. Uh, the next item, which is 30... Yeah. <laughs> I did forget about her, I'm sorry. I nearly forgot about <laughs> yes, um, item 13, consider nominations to the post of Chairman and Vice-Chairman. Councillor Roth. Thank you, uh, Chairman. And um, I know this is not the end of your term, but uh, I'll take this opportunity of thanking you uh, as Chairman, and I'm sure that will be done more fully at the annual meeting. But uh, uh, thank you so far. Um, as is the uh, custom and etiquette, it gives me very great pleasure to uh, nominate uh, Councillor Salmon uh, to be Chairman of the Council next year. He is our currently, currently our Vice-Chairman, and I, I would like to nominate him as Chairman. As far as Vice Chairman is concerned, um, I, we have had uh, a consultation within our group uh, and up until um, about 7.15 this evening uh, there was one candidate. I'm only able to put forward one candidate so I shall continue with what's been discussed with my group and it gives me pleasure to uh, nominate Councillor Stephanie Harris. Uh, as uh, for the post of Vice Chairman, but I do understand that uh, there may be a further nomination, which uh, we respect. Okay, thank you, Chairman. Before I ask for any further nominations, um, can I just make sure I've got the proposers and seconders correct, please? Uh, we have. Okay, proposed and seconded. Good. Okay, next. Um, Councillor Perry. Thank you, Chairman. I did put myself forward as a nominee for the position of Vice Chairman, being the fact that I chair a number of committees at two levels of governance and also been past Mayor. I was told that, uh, unfortunately, due to that position, it wouldn't be appropriate. However, I've taken advice, and that is not the case, that as Vice Chair, I do not need, if I'm elected, and if I get a chair's position again, I do not need to give up that position. Therefore, I would like to put my nomination back in the frame. Uh, we need a proposal and a seconder for that. Okay, thank you. And Councillor Dean, next. Mr. Chairman, uh, both of these posts are in my opinion, apolitical posts, which are largely uh, civic posts, and of course the role of um, conducting this, these meetings. Uh, it therefore is, is very unpleasant, I think, that the majority party thinks that it monopolises uh, these, um, these posts. Certainly in the past there used to be cross-party consultation on, on the matter and I, I mean I heard Councillor Rolfe say that they've been consultation but of course it was only consultation within the Conservative group. Certainly nobody um, got in touch with me and said have you got any ideas about who would make a good chairman and vice chairman for next year. Um, I know that there are other people who would be willing to put their names forward but they're not or to be considered but they're not prepared to have a, a part of political slanging match over this matter and I think that therefore there is an urgent need for a better 
process for dealing with this matter rather than whoever happens to be, um, whether there is a majority group next time or whether there isn't, whoever happens to be on this council next time, I think that they need to find a better way of dealing with this rather than this. I'm, I'm therefore not going to put forward a nomination, even though I could do, um, because I think it will be unseemly. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Kasarov. I take the spirit of uh, your comments, uh, Councillor Dean, but uh, I, just looking up actually at the pictures, and obviously we were aware of this, in, in, in the last eight years there have been two Lib Dem councillors and one independent, which I think is broadly reflective of the composition of the council. So I understand the spirit of what you're saying, but I, I don't think we've done anything that uh, is outside uh, the boundary of what is a balance of uh, the council. Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I'd like to query a statement which uh, Councillor Perry just made in his self-nomination um, concerning uh, the, uh, whether, whether one is allowed to continue in a post of uh, Chairman of a Committee and at the same time be Vice Chairman of the Council. When the previous leader asked me if I wanted to be, uh, if I would like to be um, Vice Chairman of the uh, Council with a view to subsequently becoming Chairman, um, I was Chairman of uh, the committee which he currently chairs, the uh, Licensing Committee. And I was told by the leader at that stage that I was required to uh, give up that chairmanship in order to stand as Vice Chairman. And uh, so I, I would query the statement that um, uh, Councillor Perry has made, which is that, that uh, it, it doesn't present a problem, he thinks. Councillor Cheatham. Chairman, traditionally people have given up their chairmanships or vice chairmanships because we do try to have an apolitical chairman and vice chairman. And if you're actually chairing a committee for the majority group, it can be very difficult. Um, Councillor Dean, there is absolutely no reason why you can't put somebody forward if you so wish to. Um, it's also no reason why you couldn't have actually picked up the phone and spoke to the leader about this. It's been on the council papers that there will be a nomination for a vice chairman and for chairman. Um, and and I, I do find your, we have rotated before, but um, it, it has to be a two-way dialogue, not a one-way. And so it's a great shame that, uh, that you have raised this in the manner you have. What I'm really standing up to say is that if we're going to the vote, could we please have a secret ballot? Uh, we're not going to a vote, so um, no. All it is is we're just laying this on the table for the next uh, for the next meeting. Although we have um, a proposal and seconder for, for, for the role of chairman next time, and um, two uh, candidates for uh, vice chairman, both have been proposed and seconded. I do have questions now from Councillor Mackman first. Thank you, Chair. Uh, just for clarification, am I right in assuming that any of the 39 new members that take the posts after the election, May the 7th, would be perfectly entitled to put themselves forward for the same post? Uh, Mr Perry, would you like to explain the logistics of this? Chairman, our constitution provides that the, um, the chairman and vice chairman will be drawn from those nominated at this meeting. So there's no opportunity for new members to put themselves forward for those roles, I'm afraid, until the following annual council meeting. 
Councillor Loughlin. Councillor Loughlin. Me, me, you, me, you. Uh, well, I'd just like to point out, because uh, I don't think people realise that licensing, like planning, is a regulatory committee and it is not a political committee. So I can't see any problem. It will, they wouldn't be political decisions. Okay, I'm not going to rule on that. <laughs> um, and I suggest that it's something which uh, the next council can, uh, can deal with, the, the rights and wrongs of, uh, uh, of that. But we do have, uh, as I said, three, three proposals so far. Is there anybody else... Well, we have, a, we have a chairman and two vice chairmen. Is there anybody else that wishes to comment? Councillor Ranger. Chairman, can I just seek clarification that this is the final opportunity for any further nomination to be put forward for vice chairman? Because if uh, Councillor Dean does have a name, tonight is the night. Thank you. I thought that was if you think I'm sexy. Um, <laughs> I believe Councillor Dean is not putting anybody else forward. All I wanted to say, Mr Chairman, was that, of course, if I'd, any of the um, nominees this evening isn't elected to the Council, then, of course, as has happened in the past with Councillor Stone, then, of course, somebody who is currently not or isn't being put forward tonight has to be found. Is that not correct? That is correct. Okay, so those will be put to the uh, annual council meeting, which is on the 26th of May. Um, Chairman's ur urgent items. Well, whilst this is uh, the final meeting for you, <laughs> I still have one more meeting as chairman, the annual assembly, uh, purely to hand over to my excellent uh, vice chairman, John Salmon. But I have to say, it's been a most enjoyable year. Uh, chairing these meetings and keeping control and uh, <laughs> I thank you for your patience and tolerance in that regard uh, good luck to you all that are standing and uh, a most enjoyable retirement if you are not good evening to all of you <laughs>